0: Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influences, The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O.
1: Yes, right around the country on the Triple M Network, that's 52 stations and on the brand new listener app. This is a big moment for the show. It is a privilege to welcome one of our most acclaimed songwriters. It's music we've grown up with, whether it be with Cold Chisel, solo career, collaborating, author, producer, lyricist. It's a talent to carefully craft tracks that sound incredible on recordings and then live. ARIA winner, Hall of Fame, Ted Albert Award recipient, Sold out shows, millions of albums sold, Australia's Songwriters Hall of Fame, I welcome.
0: Yeah.
1: The one and only Dom Walker, an incredible body of work. Paved the way for so many Australian
0: artists.
1: Incredible songwriting. And as of right, I mean. The band together. Ah, exciting times too. Uh, we've got a brand new solo album. Got enough, got enough. It's been on repeat the studio here in Triple M in Melbourne. When
0: I win the lottery, there'll be hell to pay in every casino on the line.
1: Welcome to Triple M's Homegrown, the one and only, Don Walker. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me in, Matt. It's uh, it's really special. Um, I was talking to uh, Colin Hay yesterday, um, yeah. randomly, and we were talking about interviews, and I was wondering, what's the earliest interview you remember doing?
0: That would have been a long, long time ago, and and uh, I can't remember. It it would be with uh, mag- music magazines, street magazines, that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Uh, you've got a brand new album. It's super exciting. Uh, eight tracks recorded in two days. Yes. That's crazy, can you tell us about that process and how you kind of got it done so quickly?
0: Oh, it's easy to do if, if you if you do all the workshopping of the songs before you go in mm-hmm. and um, and do it on the back of uh, some live dates, yeah. which is what we did at the beginning of last year.
1: Yeah, nice. Do you feel like that's what you've done? You know, throughout your whole career, you know, uh, we go back to East and things like that, playing at the Bondi Lifesavers, going in and recording there.
0: No, because in in those days we we were touring and playing all the time. So anytime we went into the studio, it would have been on the back of gig.
1: Yeah. Mm. Awesome. So tell us about what, uh, you know, where you were creatively when you were kind of putting these songs together. Were you you writing differently to how you'd done before perhaps, or how how does it kind of work?
0: No, we're doing, uh, there's a bunch of guys that I work with. I was writing, um, I guess, over the last four or five years while I was doing other things and accumulating these songs. And we also, uh, uh, under lockdown, we were, you know, sending music files around to each other and, and between, you know where I was and a and, uh, bass player lives down in the Mornington Peninsula. He's a bit of an engineer and yep. Amy Stewart, the drummer, he's up in Manly and, and coming up with clumsy demos of, of what we would end up doing.
1: So how were you kind of writing during COVID? Were you trying things differently? Because I guess you might have had a bit more time. You were at home in the studio rather than kind of moving around and, and, and doing other things.
0: Uh, no, I don't have a studio and oh, of course. all course studios were, were locked up. No, I, I, I just wrote in the same way that I normally do, which is, you know, Pen and paper, yeah. So that's in paper, and finding, it, finding a quiet place.
1: So it starts mm. with lyric for you. Well, the, I
0: always have some music in my head, but mm. but yeah, it's, it's pen and paper stuff rather than with, an, with a,
1: an instrument. Is it easier to kind of know what instrument to follow after you kind of pen the lyrics when you're writing down? You, ha- you have an idea of how you want it to sound,
0: yeah. Pretty good idea, mm. and and good good people that I can that you know, when I present an idea, they can they know what to do.
1: Uh, you've done a lot of collaborating as well over the last few years. What's that kind of process like for you, and has that changed? much the way you kind of go about it is every you know songwriter you're working with is it is it different?
0: Uh, co-writing with people, yes. Every, I don't do a lot of that these days, and and it's mainly with with a, a select a, a few people with whom it's been successful in the past. Yeah, and and everybody's different uh, that I do that with, and two or three people, and uh, you know I can name people and get into that if you like. But, um, uh, yes, ev- everybody turns up. You expect a different thing with each people,
1: and so when you are uh, kind of write these songs. And you're in the studio and you're penning it down. Do you think about how it's going to be live, or do you just kind of think about how it is in the studio and you figure the live stuff out later?
0: Uh, well, with with the people that that I record with in my solo work, there's mm. not there's not a lot of difference between what we do in the studio and, yeah. and what we can do live. Mm. That, that's pretty close because yeah. I don't I don't build up big superstructures of, of studio stuff. Yeah, we go into the we go into the studio with with everything very very well rehearsed and and sort of woodshedded on. stage stage in yeah. front of people and 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 so what you hear on the record is um, a, as you would with a classical record or with a jazz record you hear you know musicians playing music together yeah in in one in in an event that actually happened
1: yeah do you feel like when you're writing you need like a deadline for for things or do you find that you know when it's you've got the right amount of songs you know that's enough for an album you know however long it takes
0: uh, no I, I don't write for deadlines unless um, unless we're doing something like uh, we did a, a cultural album in. 2019, and if that's all, if that's coming up, I feel like um, you know everybody's going to write. Mm. Um, I, I feel like probably the main responsibility is on me, but also feel a responsibility to get everybody else involved and maybe do some co-writing with the other guys. Yeah, and uh, because you know people are, are much more involved in something they've got a bit of their own songs yeah. in there. Yeah, uh, with other with other uh, projects like if I'm working with uh, Tex and Charlie, well mm. Tex will come in with songs songs and I'll come in with songs and then we'd have a lot of fun uh in the most um, ill-considered yeah uh,
1: <laughs> I love that you touched on the the cold chisel thing just then because uh while researching for this I found this quote from Jimmy was the guy who was encouraging us all to write from day one and it wasn't until a little later on you know when Phil found his feet and Steve found his feet when I found my feet and he that we all realized oh there was a reason he was encouraging us we all had something to get to give to the band that's uh that's really cool I, th- I thought that quote was awesome you know encouraging you know the songwriters in the band and just look how they develop like into you know some of the greatest songwriters you know Australia's produced. What was that like? That kind of mentorship, I guess, in a way. Well,
0: ev- everybody, everybody in uh, Colchester wrote hits for the band in the end. Yeah. Um, I love a that a hit attached to each guy. Some of them like Steve or Jim. There's they've got a handful of hits. Yeah, and um, I always knew that that um, if you could get everybody writing, they would be more. Uh, you know, there'd be more. They'd have more skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you you finish up with a band where you really got a bunch of session guys and session singers doing one guy's thing and that's not healthy.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. I had um, Mark Opitz on as well and he was talking about when you guys were working on East and how you guys were jumping in different rooms with each other and experimenting. I guess was that when that process started? Well,
0: I had done a bit of writing with the other guys in the first two albums but it was Mm. really that album that we did with Mark, third album East, Mm. where everybody really piled in with the writing and and everybody's writing matured and and, um, I don't think we we're co writing so much as, as uh, just everybody in separate rooms coming out with their thing. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. Mm. Um, like you said, I love what you said. You know, when you're collaborating and when you're writing songs for other people, uh, recently uh, we've got this. <laughs> Barnstormers, of course, featuring uh, Jimmy Barnes, Chris Chaney, uh, Jules Holland. What was it like kind of putting that track together? This all-star band of
0: well, that's a uh, that's a uh, that's an old Catfish song. Yeah, like, thirty years old. Yeah, and um, and Jim and Kevin Shirley were putting that together under COVID. Yeah. I think uh, all that's a that's an awesome band. Yeah, and it's cool, eh? Hey? Chris Chaney and and uh, and they were doing that on separate continents under COVID and and just doing uh, file swapping all under um, mm. Kevin's guidance. Yeah. And they and they came to me and, and said, uh, Kevin and Jim, you know, because they know I'm into rockabilly yeah. and uh, give us your rockabilly playlist nice. for a start and then yeah. do you have any songs you want to pitch in? So I, I pitched in a couple of songs and that was very much an afterthought. I thought they won't go for this. And I just <laughs> I just sent them a, a live version of what I'd been doing with my own band. And nice. um, and so the Barnstormers version is is reasonably close to
1: that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know um when you're kind of writing a song, when you're kind of in your own space and you're pinning a song whether it's a solo song, it might be a Cold Chisel song, or it might be for someone else. Is it pretty easy to kind of decipher?
0: Uh, in in some ways. I mean, for that for that song, which I was writing 30 years ago, it, it was, uh, well, a guy riding his motorbike between a set of oncoming headlights. Uh, you know, my family could reasonably ask, you know, is this going to feed us or pay the mortgage? Is anybody going to be remotely interested in that sort yeah. of movie? Uh, but, you know, I, that, that's, I did it, and uh, 30 years later, somebody else gets in. So that, yeah, yeah it's funny how it works mm,
1: hey yeah um how often are you kind of in a creative mindset is it something where you need to kind of block out maybe like a week or so to kind of spend some time to yourself or do you come up with ideas whether you're on the plane or whether you're in a hotel room traveling like you are now in Melbourne
0: no I, ju- I just get on with life and and sometimes I've, there's a bit of space and sometimes
1: not and uh if I don't write for a few months I don't worry about yeah
0: it. that's cool I wouldn't worry about it if I never wrote again but it's, it always seems to come up again
1: yeah it's funny I'm, I'm talking to a lot of young songwriters and i think they feel the pressure to you know constantly be writing with the state of music how it is now it's how it's just not you know the, the pace is so fast So i think that's really good advice for someone coming up you know don't force it
0: i don't think so I, I, yeah yeah i think i think what what you just said don't force it let it come and if it's not coming maybe you should be working in retail or something yeah
1: that's, <laughs> that's a good point too what currently uh in, inspires you to write uh
0: sense of humour I, I think is the I think if if you're not making yourself laugh and your yeah. mates then then uh, you've
1: gone astray some yeah how much have you missed um, playing live and, and playing your solo set live
0: uh, quite a bit I'd like to do a lot more live work and mm. after, I've just spent three days rehearsing mm. with the guys we haven't played live since uh, February 2022 and everybody's expressing the wish that if only we could do this all the time yeah mm. can you Um. <laughs> no probably not mm. because we don't sell enough tickets
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're playing um, some pretty cool venues on this run too, like uh, Belgrave, uh, the old Ruby Lounge, uh, Suki Lounge, I should say, the Memo Music Hall in St Kilda, um, Blues on Broad Beach as well, the Factory in Sydney. How cool is it to kind of play at these venues that have been around for a while, and um, you know they're quite special to a lot of people.
0: Uh, very special to us. That you know, with uh, all of these venues, we've played them before mm. um, to growing crowds, except for Blues on Broad Beach, we, we've never played that one. That'll be okay. interesting, doing a, doing an outside afternoon blues festival but I think we've got people to do that yeah. and the song.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, thanks so much for coming in. I'd love to play a, a quick game with you that I play with all my acts if uh, if you're keen. Okay. It's called. Cool. So this is called uh, Memory Lane where uh, I go back and pluck random gigs from your gig history to see what you remember about it. Now you might not remember anything about it. You might not remember the gig specifically. You might remember the drive there, what happened afterwards but I've just picked these gigs at random and i want to see what you remember and i thought we'd go back to a lot of people have called up this show to say this is where they kind of saw you for the first time at the one and only bondi lifesaver i've got a grab here from jimmy you had real surf rats you had gangsters you had all sorts in there literally by the time the band went on stage there was you know water condensation dripping from the roof and people hanging from the rafters and it was as wild as it could possibly get and of course we got your live version from it uh, it, it seemed like quite an institution. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, my age, a bit younger, are a bit envious that we missed out on experiencing that. What was that like as a touring musician to play there? Oh,
0: that was a great, um, that, was a, that was the venue in Sydney and um, uh, eastern suburbs, very, very hedonistic, you know, the, the um, Mr. Asia and all the, all the heroin crew used to get in there and, and uh, Abe Saffron's gangsters and the rock and roll people and, yeah. and uh, the models. And on and on.
1: It's crazy. Mm. I was looking back at your gig history too, and a year later, in 1980, you played 149 shows. Well, we. we <laughs> uh, I'm all, saying that's a good those, thing. That, that's that's yeah, that's really all
0: cool. Those, all those years, we just we played, played and played and played.
1: Yeah, mm. awesome. Uh, one year later, you played with this man. Uh, Rod Stewart at Athletic Park in Wellington, 1979. Any memories from I don't know that show or meeting Rod? Uh, I I
0: do, and and I'm trying to dredge up some that I can say on the radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, it, it that, that was an interesting tru- tour and and some uh, and some real dramas. Okay. With, um, you know, with some we we had a we had a bit of a problem with um, Steve, okay. our drummer, and Rod, but then then that was resolved, and certainly
1: by the time we got to Wellington. Okay. Mm. All right, cool. Uh, Going to 1982, you played with. Slade and Elton John. at the Club Academy in Manchester. When was that? 1982. Sometimes these set lists can be a bit off, but uh, that, that's what it says here.
0: Okay, I can remember I can remember doing a tour through Cornwall with Slade. Never
1: Elton. Maybe Elton was just randomly put on there.
0: Yeah, I, I can't remember Elton, but that doesn't say it, could, it didn't happen.
1: Slade were an incredible band yeah. live. Cool. Tell me about that. What were they what was it about them?
0: Oh it was well Naughty Holder was was like a, a screaming preacher. And and uh you know everything they did was over really simplified, little Richard-level rock and roll. Yeah. And, uh, and we're with the Support Act. We did our thing, which was all, you know, cool songs and all that. Then they came on and just blistered the paint yeah. around us. And, um, uh, yeah, and it was all tongue-in-cheek too. They are all platform
1: shoes. And, yeah. Mm. Um, we're going to go just one year later. The last stand at the entertainment in Sydney, Sydney Entertainment Centre. <laughs> with uh, the Divinals. Remember that, Entertainment Centre? Uh, the Divinals played, I don't
0: I don't remember, yeah, of course they, they might have been there. I don't remember them specifically. They did yeah. a lot of shows with us and we were good friends. Yeah, great.
1: Mm. Uh, uh, the NARA Music Festival in uh, 1983 featured. We had Australian Crawl, Moving Pictures, The Choir Boys,
0: oh.
1: Jojo Sepp and the Falcons too. Narara Music Festival in uh nineteen eighty three. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I think the Angels were in there. Did we cover yep. the Angels?
1: Yep. Yeah, the Angels in Excess, the church, uh Men at Work, huge Australian lineup.
0: Yes. It, well, it was just all the all the standard bands that you would have a, made a giant thing like that at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, that was a huge show.
1: And um I imagine it would have been, you know, looking back on it, you know, that's all these bands kind of in their prime, young just kind of getting started. You guys would have seen each other all on the touring circuit. It must have been cool to all play on the one big show, show together.
0: Oh, yeah. It, yes, it, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, everybody knew each other, yeah. and, and uh, everybody was sort of good friends to, us, to yeah. a more or less ex- extent, and um, everybody was competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, us and the angels and oils, and, but but also friends.
1: Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you played this a couple of times, but uh, Blues Fest in 2000 as well. don't want to be a fan. Th- we had uh, Lucinda Williams, uh, John Butler, Earth, Wind and Fire, My Morning Jacket, Roger Daltrey. We had John Fogerty too. Hear me, hear me. Even Steve Earle.
0: For my time,
1: Blues Fest is a special festival.
0: Uh, that's the only time Cultures upload play blues, blues Fest, and we headlined the Friday night. Nice. And I think from what I'm told, um, a whole crowd came in for the Friday, and, yeah. and then they
1: left, and a whole different <laughs> crowd came in for, the, for Blues Fest. <laughs> that's special. I think a uh, festival like that's really cool as well because it's, like, it's all the family. So like you know, if, if someone's been telling their son that it's grown up on Cultures or your solo albums, they haven't been able to see you live, it's a special moment to watch a gig like that with your family. And, and your kids, yes, yeah, and you know,
0: yeah. It's a, it's a blues fest is great. Yeah, yeah great to
1: do that. Awesome. And uh, one more, the Blood Moon tour that you did with uh, Paul Cowley um, Birds of Tokyo too, and uh, Magic Dirt. So the Blood Moon tour would have happened just before COVID, right? Just before everything, Georgepool, yeah. Yes. It just kind of stopped. Mm. What was that like? Kind of getting back together and, and playing those shows? Uh,
0: it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, we we hit a, as far as knitting ourselves with Charlie Drayton, our uh, drummer, the last ten years. Uh, you know, I think I think we knitted ourselves together. You know, one more level. It was great. I hadn't seen uh, I hadn't seen Paul play for many years, and mm. um, he played with us on a number of shows. And uh, you know, he, he's now. He, him and his band are an extraordinary live yeah, act and yeah. wonderful to see and and magic dirt also i hadn't I hadn't seen that live or that tour mm. birds of, of tokyo seen quite a bit over the years they're yeah. always good
1: yeah awesome well don thanks so much for taking time out i know you're busy it's a pleasure to have you here i've always wanted to meet you i've looked up for you for quite some time excited for these shows and uh we'd love to have you back soon thank you very much for having me For all the latest rock news, interviews and backstage experiences, don't forget to subscribe to Triple M Rock on the listener app.